Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to get the latest on Utah athletics from our Utes Insider here on the Bill Riley Show, presented by Les Olson IT, your office technology partner. Now here's Bill Riley with a Utes Insider on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I haven't talked to my guy Scott Mitchell since the uh, we parted ways at Allegiant Stadium and uh, called it called it good for the 2023 season. But looking forward to 2024, the off season, of course, spring football, and then beginning things in the Big 12 era, which is now kind of officially on the table for Utah football. Of course, we got to talk about last night's playoff games and some NFL stuff too. So. Scott kind enough to carve a few minutes out of his busy Tuesday for the first time in 2024, jumping on the Bill Riley Show. How are you? Well, Bill, it's my birthday today, so, uh, you know, I'm older. What? Happy birthday, yeah. partner. Yeah, thank you. What are you now, 62, 63? How old are you now? Nah, 56. Come on. I know. I was just giving you I a like hard time. I like my birthday. I really do. I, I, I don't, birthdays don't bother me. No, they don't bother me either, but I don't make a big, I don't, you know, it's just another day for me, but do you have any big plans? Uh, just dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Just dinner. Kids, girlfriend, yeah. what are you doing? You know, all of the above. Nice. Nice. No yeah. invite for me. I'll get you something. I'll send you something nice. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Good to have you on. Um, well, where do we start? Let's start with the games last night. They were fun. I know we all kind of wrung our hands a month or so ago when Florida State got left out of the playoffs. And, uh, and I said, you know, we always do this stuff. And it, it's a shame that Florida State got left out going 15-0. and But I said, by the time the games roll around, as long as we get two good games, nobody will really care about Florida State. Well, Florida State kind of took care of that by getting their, their, their brakes, brakes beaten off by Georgia 63-3. to And obviously there were factors that played into that. But I was looking forward to the games yesterday. And to me, Scott, they delivered. Which of the two did you like more? Oh, man, it, you know, it was kind of fun watching the Rose Bowl because we've been there the last couple of years, yeah. and you know the excitement and just the whole setting of everything and, and what that venue is and, and that game and, and how how significant. And you've got, I mean, you've got the best of the best. You've got Michigan and Alabama playing in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know that you could get a better game than that. And so seeing that, that, that was certainly exciting. And, and then I, I got to tell you, I, I just, I'm just so impressed with Michael Penix Jr. I'm, I, and and you know, good for Washington and and all that they did. I mean, both the games were just just incredible games, and it's what you want. And you have to wonder, at least as I was watching it and thinking about it after, 
how much of an impact is this NIL, this transfer portal actually having on football? I, I think there was a, either an article or I saw a note about Alabama having a, a cycle through a, a class that will not play in a national championship. Hmm. And, you know, and, and it's the first time in a Nick Saban era. And I, I think the, the, tr- the transfer of talent is kind of getting spread out. And that's why you're seeing more of these teams having a, an opportunity and, and a shot to actually, you know, win a national championship. And if this is a precursor of an expanded playoff, I think you're going to see more and more of these games. I think you're going to see a more competitive balance in college football. I know everyone says, oh, it's broken. It's, it's damaged beyond repair. But if, if this is the end result and we get these amazing games at the end of the season and a really good playoff, I think people will probably be pretty excited about it. I agree. Uh, the I, I, It's funny, you were talking about the Rose Bowl. My mom and dad are in town, and we were watching the games. And, you know, my dad was at the Rose Bowl with us a couple of years yeah. ago, mm-hmm. and he, he had such a great time. And just we're watching the game and the shed, the exterior shots of the stadium. He's like, oh, yeah, there's that, there's that. And he says, oh, man, there's nothing like that. The, you know, we got there early, the grass on the field, and, you know, just the whole experience. We were kind of walking through it, and it, it it's so much fun. And, it kind of makes me wish in in some ways that the national championship game was being played there because you've got a big 10 and a pac 12 team going at it. And that's, you know, it's the last time we'll have big 10 and pac 12, certainly, but it wouldn't it be more appropriate that the championship game was going to be played there too. Yeah. I mean, and the Rose bowl is such a special game and, and, and the, you could argue that it should be the national championship game every year now moving forward. Uh, Cause it's, it's, um, it's an experience. I'm, I'm a person that doesn't even like parades and I went to the parade <laughs> and enjoyed it. It was, it was incredible. I mean, I, you know, they, I mean, they just really know how to do it right. People understand the significance of that game and that bowl. And so it's, it is a very special, a very special game. Uh, you mentioned Penix and he got my vote for the Heisman trophy. I voted Penix one. Jalen Daniels, two, and Bo Nix, three, on my ballot a couple of weeks ago. And I just thought, well, as good as Daniels' season was, statistically, and it was great, there's got to be a metric in there for winning. And had Jalen Daniels maybe lost one game and not three games, maybe it would have made a difference. But he did lose three games. And Michael Penix did not. And we both saw it. Washington's defense, though I think it's gotten better, was not great by any means. But Michael Penix carried that team this year to those wins. Now, granted, he had he has three great wide receivers too, but but the guy that's the trigger man is always the quarterback. And just watching him in certain games in that Pac-12 championship game made me feel good about it. And then that game last night against a very good Texas team, where frankly, Scott, he made all the throws and he didn't make any real mistakes, and he actually used his legs a little bit last night too. I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all for voting him as a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and, I mean, there were some just phenomenal throws that he made in that game. And, and it's, not, it's not a one-off. It's not a two or three games. He's been doing this now uh, for two straight seasons. I think, what, he's lost one game in, in the two years that he's been there. And uh, just, just a phenomenal job that he's done. Kalen DeBoer has just been incredible. You know, this Washington program was kind of down and out. My goodness, they're – they're right there um, with the best of the best in the country. I, I, I just, I am just really pleased to see, you know, even Michigan, you know, Michigan's kind of been a paper, a, you know, a paper lion, I guess. Uh, they just, they haven't really 
uh, it seems like they've really underachieved, you know, forever. And, and to see them actually get in, in the championship game in Washington and, and what they've done there, it, it just gives us kind of some excitement and hope uh, for Utah. You know, I, I just think of a first half game <laughs> that Utah played with its third, fourth string quarterback walk on. And, and they were, you know, they were right there with, with, with Washington. And I, I just don't think Utah's that far off. You know, there's just, there's just gotta be a couple of more pieces on both sides of the ball. And this, this, a, this is a team and a program that can compete on a national stage like that. You gotta have hope and, and gain some kind of confidence or belief that, Hey, Utah, you can be a Washington team, especially with the change in the, in the system and what's going to happen. And, not only the system, but the conference that you're going to be in. And I don't think the Big 12 is going to be a, a rollover next year. I think Colorado is going to be better. I think I think TCU is going to be better. Oklahoma State, you know. Because Arizona? Arizona? Arizona, yeah. And who knows, you know. Uh, but these teams are not just going to sit around and just say, hey, we're happy to be here. They're out there busting their butt recruiting and paying players to get there and, and it and it makes a difference. It can change your program. And you you saw that at Arizona. You saw that at Oregon State with uh with Jonathan Smith. And so you know, Utah just can't stand pat and say, hey, you know, you've gotta you've gotta be as aggressive. You've gotta you know, you you can't just say we're just gonna roll off the truck here and win the Big Twelve because you're you're gonna you're gonna get smacked right in the mouth if if you do that. And it's it's a it's a good conference and I think it'll be really competitive, but one you can, you can win. Well, you can, there's you there's can, there's no Oregon, Scott. There's no Washington. There's no, no there's right. no Oregon State or even USC in that league next year. Right. It's going to be a good no. conference. But if Utah makes the right offseason tweaks, adjustments, and improvements, they could easily be the favorite. Yeah, I don't think there's any question, and um, you know, it's it's just so much of. I think we went into this last year kind of going. You know, this could be a really good year if if Cam Rising is around and you don't have that hanging over your head. I mean, I just seen him get injured in the the Rose Bowl a year ago, just going, there's no way he's coming back at the beginning of this season. I'll be surprised if he's back for half the season next year. And, and uh, you know, so it's it's knowing that he's going to be back because you, you see what a really good elite quarterback can do for your program. And, and I think Cam is that kind of player. And, you get some people around him, and I think that defense is just really solid. And and there's a couple of pieces they can find here or there. There's there's no question that Utah can be uh, a very competitive team and and be a team that makes the playoffs next year with 12, 12 teams in the playoffs. Somebody mentioned earlier today that they think next year's a make or break year for Utah football, which I disagree with. They had one down year and they won eight games. If if a down year is winning eight games, so be it. And there's a big reason why. They had terrible quarterback play this year. They're not going to have that yeah. next year with Cam Rising. But after the quarterback play, what's got to improve the most next year for Utah to get back to where they want to be? You know, um, it always starts with those lines. And, and yep. the offensive line just wasn't very good last year. And it was just a lot of individual breakdowns. And, you know, you saw Michigan in the first half of that game against Alabama where they rushed five guys. And so they just – it's just one-on-one, you know, and, and uh, we believe one of our guys is going to beat one of your guys. And so uh, you just saw that just some guy just made a mistake and he just, and it was significant. You know, there's just so many 
so much penetration through the through the line, whether it was in a running play or a pass play, and it just really didn't ever create any kind of consistency with what was happening. You, you kind of would think that Utah could run the football uh, consistently because that's kind of who they are, and that just didn't happen last year. And so that that's something that's certainly got to improve. And you know, every year we see it, it just takes some time for that offensive line to gel and get together and do their thing. So I just think it's really important that that, that gets solved and resolved early in, in the, you know, in the non-conference. And, and then, you know, I think you're going to need a, you just need some, you just need a guy, just one guy. You know, I, I think they have guys that are complimentary but you need that one guy, that go-to guy that can the teams just go, man. We've got to watch this guy. We got to, and, and, and I'm talking about at the wide receiver position, and Utah just just doesn't seem to have that guy. It was interesting watching. Well, we, we called the Washington game, and right. a couple of those guys didn't even play uh, those wide receivers. But just watching last night, you know, if Jeremy Bernard were on the University of Utah, he'd be their number one wide receiver. He's the fourth yeah. wide receiving option at Washington. The fact that Michael Penix has three first-round wide receivers and his fourth guy might be Utah's best wide receiver shows you that Utah's they, they got to upgrade that room just a little bit. Maybe they don't have three NFL guys. That's fine. You don't need to do that. It, it's, it'd be nice. But you need to have at least one. And I, I think, you know, they're out there. And I think that uh, they're just if there's a willingness to go spend some money and go get one of those guys, uh, it's it, it, you know you it, you got to do it because it's you got to shoot your shot and you just you need a player like that. But but you also you know you look at the way Washington is and how they call their offense. They're very aggressive. They're very attacking with with uh, what they do and they play really well into what Michael Penix does. And, and I mean, he throws the ball down the field as good as anyone I think I've ever seen. I'd even say he throws the ball down the field better than Caleb Williams. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, Scott, some, Scott, he one. put those, he put those balls on the spot in the basket. I mean, three or four different times uh, ropes. I mean, it just, and, and not short passes. I mean, he, he, and, and there's just this confidence in, how they, um, you know, how they go about their business. But not only that, it's, it, you know, you watch how they, um, they throw the football and they're really good at, at, at back shoulder throws, but it's stuff they work on it. The route running those guys have is, I think, it's a level above anyone I, I've seen, at least in the Pac-12. They just, those wide receivers really understand how to run routes and, and how to get open against defensive uh tech you know techniques and and just far superior than anyone else so they're well coached but they're all they're also really aggressive so you know you get a really good wide receiver or two here in utah you, you can't just sit them on the shelf you know there's got to be a willingness to 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 attack teams um throwing the football and and that's that's just where college football is right now um do you think Penix is a first-round guy? Do you think he'll have a career as, a, as an NFL quarterback? You know, I, I just I, I asked that I asked myself that question so many times, and and um, you know that his throwing motion had kind of bothered me for a long time. It just seemed a little like just unpolished, uh, but it, it's really gotten better. But somehow, some way. 
that dude is so accurate and he, and his arm is so strong and he's so confident and understands how to make these throws because a lot of the throws he's throwing, those are NFL type throws. And I'm going to say, yes. I, I mean, this guy has been so consistent and so, you know, so much the same for, and on big stages against really good competition too, you know, I mean, uh, a semifinal game against Texas, Pac-12 championship games, and to keep winning week in and week out, you know, um, that's that's always a lot of pressure. And then having the hey, he's a Heisman Trophy front runner, and so this this kid's had to deal with you know kind of pressure that you see as a as an NFL guy, and handled it well, and and actually flourished in it, and 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 just seems to just love being out on the field and throwing a football around. And, uh, you know, I just think the way that even the NFL is today, it fits in pretty pretty nicely for, for Michael Penix. Scott Mitchell with us for a couple of more minutes here on the Bill Riley Show. Back to the Utes for a minute in that offensive line. Is it Does it need to be tweaked or overhauled, in your opinion? Because, you know, a tweak is small adjustments, weren't too far off, or do you think it needs an overhaul? I don't know that, you know... It's it, it's a funny thing with offensive line because there there's so much about chemistry with guys and about about confidence and about playing together and and, and abilities and kind of um, maturity levels and and and, uh, and I, I think the maturity level there just wasn't a guy there that just stood out and said you know I'm going to lead this group and it's and there always seems to be that guy. That, that kind of keeps them together and keeps them going. I just don't know that they they had that guy last year because I think they have the talent. Uh, and, and so it'll be interesting to see if they can find a guy early that just said, "Look, what happened last year is unacceptable," and 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 they got to just um, take you know take it on themselves a badge of honor. Um, to you know you see the really good offensive linemen and and the offensive line groups are the hogs or. They're the Denver Broncos who none of their offensive linemen talk to the media. Uh, there's just there's this solidarity that just defies everyone else, and it's a mindset. And they just they need someone to lead that charge because, you know, being an offensive lineman is a dirty business, and you just got to have a nasty mindset about yourself, and you need someone to instill that in – you know, I, I don't know that they had that guy, and and, I, and I'm just trying to think, you know, who it might be in the future. I, I think they have guys there. I think they certainly have the talent, uh, but they just they need someone to just really step forward and just kind of kind of challenge those guys to to just get a little nasty. All right, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your Detroit Lions. I know you you loved your time with the Dolphins, but you're probably most best known as a Lion, and had those yeah. great years with Detroit. They they certainly got screwed Saturday night in the matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. The officials did them a bit dirty in that game. Um, but give me your read on this Lions team, and do you think they can make a deep run in the playoffs? I, I sure enjoyed uh, Dan Campbell when you know watching Hard Knocks and kind of getting to know his personality and who he was. And it's a hard place to go in and, and change a culture. And that's really what he's done. And I mean, it's really hard and you have some, some of the best fans, I think in all of sports, because they are so loyal to the Lions, 
and they, you know, and I mean, they show up, you know, the team's terrible and, and the fans show up to games. And so uh, it's a great sports town and you, you win, uh, you know, and Dan Campbell could become a, a knighted, you know, saint, I guess, if there's <laughs> such a thing in Detroit, if they can continue to win, but, you know, they've got a really good offensive line and they've gotten a lot better defensively. And I think a lot of people underestimate Jared Goff, you know, that he, he's been really pretty steady and consistent. This guy has been to the Super Bowl, you know, and you, you can't discount someone that gets to a Super Bowl. There's, you know, you had to show something to do that. And, and he's done that. And, but I just think there's this culture and this mindset that Dan Campbell's just done a, a beautiful job in, in, uh, in instilling in these guys. And, and I think you, you're starting to see, you know, Almond St. Brown is a guy that's really emerged as a, as a player. And, you know, and, and you're seeing some guys kind of reach the height of their potential with the team. And, uh, you know, they just, they, they're a young, hungry, I don't know. You see, I don't know that they're there, but I'm looking at, at the NFL and I don't know who is there this year. I mean, they, you know, it's, I think it's anyone's, it's anyone's game to try to beat Baltimore because they, they seem to be the team that's really, uh, really the team that, that's a difference maker, you know, that kind of just has a little bit more than, and, and of course, Lamar Jackson's just played phenomenally and it's hard to beat that. So I think they, you know, if they can get in the playoffs, I mean, and, and win, you know, I know they're in the playoffs, but boy, if they could, if they could win a game or two in the playoffs and really make some noise, you know, that thing could really, really go somewhere. It's been interesting. I've had a ton of people who've reached out to me to talk about it because it's been so long since the Lions really made any significant run at the playoffs in any consistency, which is back when, you know, I was there. And so, in fact, I have, I'm being interviewed tomorrow by a guy about that very thing. And so it's just exciting. You know, it's exciting for me. I know, I know the, the pain of the Detroit fan, and and uh, so I, I just I, I you know be curious to see if they're if they're a team that can actually do something in the playoffs. They did everything right with that call on that play, didn't they? It appeared like they did oh, everything yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like the official didn't want to talk to him. It's almost like, hey, don't bother me right now. I'm trying to officiate a game here, you know, and all these players are are doing what they're coached to do, like. If you're a guy and you go into a game and you know the only time you go in a game and you're in a special situation that you have to check in with the official, you know, you never, never, you don't, you don't not do that. You don't go in the huddle and go, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. Your, your job immediately, job one, before you ever go in the huddle, you ever do anything, is you go check in with the official and alert the official. And, and so, you know, it, it just clearly looked like, I mean, I don't know what the officials were thinking or are thinking or, you know, a lot of people think there's conspiracy theories going on all over the place. And I, I'm a good friend who just says, I don't know how people can't be tempted by gambling. And, and he goes, and I really think the best way to get to people is the officials. And, and I'm sure they watch it and they watch it closely. And I'm not saying these guys are, he just said he, he just thinks with with as much exposure as the NFL has put itself and it kind of gotten in bed with gambling, you just have to believe somebody along the way at some point might be tempted or influenced to kind of tweak the outcome of a game 
because because it's you know it's a billionish billions and billions of dollar industry that that has now become part of football and and at some point some human being out there could be influenced in a in a way to to maybe try to fix things a little bit. I don't know. I don't know either, but it's weird things happen in Detroit games. Wasn't wasn't Phil Luckett in the coin toss? Wasn't that a Detroit Lions game too? Yeah, that was a as a Thanksgiving game against the uh, um, Steelers. The Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you know he and and you know these officials know they're they're like in the spotlight. And and you think about you know if you're going to give up in, in, in public and you're going to give a speech or something you're nervous, and sometimes you know you say things you don't even realize you're you're saying them. You think you're saying you're doing the right thing and you're not. I mean, on our broadcast I kept calling Luke Bullet, but but Terry, uh, Nick, <laughs> and, and you know like and I didn't know you know and so it happens from time to time you know where uh, those the, those things happen. I liked how they had one team's logo on one side, the other team's logo on the other. No one called it, just slipped it in the air. Whoever, whoever landed on uh, up, that was the team that got the ball. I like that in the, in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, then, then there's no question about any of that stuff. Uh, that's Scott Mitchell. Uh, today's his birthday. So if you happen to be out and about in town today and you see Scott come by, wish him a happy birthday. And congratulate him on his Lions being back in the playoffs this year. And uh, say you're looking forward to a, a broadcast team this year that will be in the Big 12 because all those things will be happening. I think we're going to have a good 2024, don't you? I do too, and I'm I'm so excited about the Big 12 and the challenge of all of it and the change in the playoffs and and just having a real opportunity to get to uh, the playoffs. You know, it, it's a very real real chance here for Utah. And so I'm just really really looking forward to seeing what that happens and watching it unfold and. You know, it'll be a fun year. It will be sure. a fun year. It will be, and we'll watch the Lions in the playoffs this year. So, Scott, thanks. Happy birthday. Have a good day. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. There he is. 56-year-old Scott Mitchell with us here on the Bill Riley Show today. Good to have him on. Enjoyed doing all those games with he and Sly and Alonzo and Dave and Matt and all the crew this year. And, of course, James as well. Have fun with those. Basketball season now. Before you know it, it'll be spring football. So we'll have that coming up probably sometime in April. All right, taking a break. Back on the other side. More your text messages on a Reaction Over Reaction Monday. A couple of news and notes from the day in sports, too. On the way, Bill Riley Show halfway home on a Tuesday here on ESPN 700.